Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. Psalm 24 is well used and widely regarded in Christian liturgical circles for two reasons. The first is that it is thought to have been written when David wrested the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Obed-Edom after the Philistines had captured the Ark and the Ark was being brought back to Jerusalem for the first time after it had been captured. The second is that the psalm was regarded by the early church as foreshadowing the heavenly session of our Lord Jesus Christ, when having been crucified and raised from the dead, Jesus ascended into heaven and entered the heavenly tabernacle as our prophet, high priest, and king. A tip about reading the book of Psalms, along with the books of Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. It is that these books are not like others, historical or prophetic books, retelling the story of the mighty deeds of God performed on behalf of God's people, people or alternatively, critically assessing the behavior of Israel and her leaders throughout their history. They are instead what are called wisdom writings or sapiential literature, reflecting on the moral ordering of the world. They are existential documents concerned with how to find meaning and to make sense of life's shadow side. Psalm 24 asks and answers two questions. The first is, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? It answers, he who has clean hands and pure heart, who has not sworn by what is false or acted deceitfully. The second question is, who is the king of glory? To which it answers, the Lord of hosts, the Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. The first question had a particular historical relevance and is there to remind us that we dare not take God's presence for granted and, presumes that, and presume that it is common or pedestrian. Worship of Yahweh is not mere ritual or meaningless gestures which may be done as routines for their own sakes and have no bearing on the quality of life that we lead. On the contrary, we ready and prepare ourselves for participation in worship of God by the life we live 
not merely on the day we worship, but throughout our whole lives. The second question invites us to take into account how the psalm begins. It begins by making a profound affirmation. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live on it. That affirmation is followed up by the accreditation and finally with the acclamation. We will consider each in turn. The first is the remarkable affirmation of the divine ownership of creation, affirmation of creation as the gift of God made to the human family, and of creation as necessarily the stewardship of creation that as a consequence is required of us. There are many reasons why notions of divine ownership of creation is obscured from us. I name only two. One is because many of us live on island states and come to believe that our little corner of the rock is all there is. The vastness and the majesty and incomprehensibility of God's creation is often lost on us. The other reason I mention is the legacy of the colonial project where large states in Europe have asserted dominance over the globe and over some of our countries that lay in the lap of the colonizing powers for significant parts of their history. After time, we came to believe that they rather than God owned the earth and were in control of earth's destiny. This psalm is in that respect revisionist. It is requiring a rethink of our view of how the earth is. Late in my life, I have moved from an island state in the Caribbean to the motherland of Africa. Jamaica is 4,400 square miles big. Zambia, where I now live, is 760,000 square kilometers. It is 4% of the land area of Africa. Today, I visited Chilila Bomwe on the border of the Democratic Republic of the Congo compared to which Zambia is a small child. The DRC is 2.3 million square kilometers. There was a time in which in our past, the world, in our part of the world, we said, Britannica, Britannica ruled the wave. May the sun never set on the British empire. In those times, the impression was formed that Britain owned us and perhaps they did. But with coming of age, their ownership has been broken. In the space I visited today, a meeting spot between two former colonies where a lot of trading is done. One English speaking and the other French speaking. And I discovered that though the peoples are able to communicate in either of the colonial language, they really communicate together in a pidgin 
of both their vernaculars, Bemba in the case of Zambia, and Lingala in the case of the Congolese. This is one of the most mineral-rich places on earth. It belongs to the common people. Psalm 24, which invites us to affirm the divine ownership and gift and requirement of stewardship once again. It is a time that in the name of God, the ordinary people are able to claim the riches of their land instead of remaining poor people on richly endowed lands. The other thing which this affirmation challenges is the lack of stewardship of the earth that has been bequeathed to us. Last week, there was an earthquake followed by a storm on the island state of Haiti. More than 1,500 bodies have so far been recovered. And God knows how many more people will have died. At the same time, there was an earthquake in Alaska. There were record temperatures in Europe, a volcanic eruption in Italy, and the submerging of islands in the Pacific and Indian Oceans due to sea level rises, rise. Not to mention COVID, which by all accounts was a man-made virus. Climate catastrophe is already with us. We have got to sing it until we remember that the earth belongs to God who has given us to exercise stewardship over it. We cannot simply make conditions inhospitable to human life as history nears its close or wreck the planet by which our lives have been sustained. We can no longer blame or depend upon the emissaries of the North Atlantic. We have to put all our hats in the ring and rely on ourselves. In other words, let us hold ourselves accountable for what happens to Mother Earth. The psalmist does not anticipate that our relationship with the God and Master of the universe shall remain either hostile or estranged. He anticipates a rich and fulsome relationship, having regard to the vastness and incomprehensibility of the God who owns the vast planet. We would understandably be aware of our own unworthiness, and we do not have to look very far to remember our faults, which make matters worse. The psalmist, however, offers us an opportunity to be accredited as we enter the presence of God. He sets a bar very low, washing our hands and our hearts. We are all acquainted with sanitizing our hands in this era of COVID. Indeed, there is a sanitation station at every entrance, except what the psalmist has in mind is not so much soap, water, and alcohol, but how we treat our fellow human beings, our action and inaction towards our neighbor, the poor, and towards our brothers and sisters. The same diligence we exercise to follow the COVID protocols where hands are concerned must be followed with the care we take in managing the welfare of our neighbors and our brothers and sisters. The second form of accreditation has to do with 
what is in our hearts. We have to cleanse our hearts to be worthy of the presence of God who owns the universe, the Lord of glory. Cleansing our hearts requires even more than washing our hands. However, it is not entirely a negative exercise. If we got rid of malice and envy and spite and hatred and deception, we would not by that have cleansed our hearts. Cleansing our hearts have to do with what we fill our hearts with. When I started these podcasts a year or so ago, I named them Hesidim. Hesidim is the plural form of a Hebrew word Hesed, which is roughly translated loving kindness. The plural form in Hebrew is not so much pluralization or multiplication, but it is intensification. I thought at the time that there was so much unkindness and cruelty in the world in which I live that I wanted to construct a counter-narrative. Cleansing our hearts is filling our hearts with mercy, with kindness, and with loving kindness. When you are ready to think nothing but goodness, it is time to enter into and ascend unto the hill of the Lord. It is like Micah has said, to beat the swords into plowshares and the spears into pruning hooks. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Psalm 24 ends on a note of acclamation. It says, lift up your heads, you gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. As history would have it, our television screens these days are filled with images of thousands of people trying to storm the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan, trying to flee their own country. Even to the Americans, they are master showmen. They do not tell us that after 20 years of bombing the Taliban's in, As in Afghanistan, they were miserable and monumental failures because the Taliban's are in a position to and could have taken control of the capital city Kabul and all of Afghanistan in under a month. They hope to present themselves as the saviors again, whose aircraft will rescue Afghanis from themselves. Be that as it may, the picture anticipated by the psalmist is of scenes of exultation when the gates can no longer contain the enthusiasm and anticipation and hope of the masses of the people as their king and liberator, the Lord mighty in battle, the king of glory comes to rescue them. It is the acclamation that worship of the living God makes. Always those who come to our aid are not intended to be imposters who are seeking to exercise lordship and mastery over the people. It is not some tyrant or some demagogue, some great showman and pretender who has usurped power and arrogated to himself notions of ultimate power and authority. It is the king 
of kings, the Lord of lords, whom John saw as the conquered land of the tribe of Judah, the elect of God, who was slain, but has prevailed to open the seal and to unlock them. It is he before whom the 24 elders and the four living creatures and myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands proclaim, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, we praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Worship is a time of affirmation. Worship is a time for accreditation. And worship is a time of acclamation. Amen.